Hello, and welcome to episode 69 of Golden Shower of Hits. Today on the podcast, the guys will review Paul's Boutique, the second album by the Beastie Boys, released in 1989. This record is an overrated piece of shit. Just kidding. I just wanted Jamie to flip out when he heard me say that. This record rules, it foreshadowed the dominance of samples in modern music, and it's a landmark on all accounts. I'm more of a check-your-head guy myself, but this album definitely deserves the accolades it's received. Yeah? It says, you may not be able to hear because your speaker volume is too low. <laughs> How do they know? Well, fuck you. I can hear just fine. What the fuck do you know about my speaker level? I've got headphones on. You, Let's keep it positive, shall we? <laughs> it's, been a lo- it's been a long week. Yeah, it sounds like a good idea. It's been a long two weeks. Man. We don't even... We don't even, uh, you know what? We don't even need to talk about this past two weeks, except for good stuff, if there is any. <laughs> uh... All right, so I guess that means we're not talking about anything. <laughs> Actually, um, <laughs> there is some good stuff. Uh, last night, I, instead of doing research for this episode and prep for this episode, I spent it enjoying my digital edition of record number number two record. Oh, excellent. Yeah. So Mike, uh, Mike put out a solo record that's very short. Um, and if you were part of the pre-sale, is that what it is? You get... Uh, no, uh, now if you just buy it, it's available for download. Ah, cool. I mean, it's still pre-sale for the book, just because I'm waiting for the flexi discs and right. also the shipping boxes. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I got the digital download. I listened to it like four times, and uh, there's a PDF with uh, stories behind each song, which is great, and artwork, which is great. And then on <laughs> in the PDF, you can there's a QR code and you can actually click the QR code and it takes you to a video of Mike and other people 
reading from the PDF, which is pretty fucking entertaining. So yeah, I, uh, I think I spent about an hour doing that last night. That's fun. Yeah, it was great. I was I was super super psyched on it. Were there songs that you hadn't heard? I I had shared a lot of stuff with you as I was making this. Yeah, but it had been a long time since I heard a lot of it. So a lot of it was like it was like fresh. Yeah. So and then also uh, I feel like for some reason, oh, uh you know, I have a hard time hearing. So the songs are fast and short and you know, a lot of the lyrics you only say once, so like I didn't know what the lyrics were until I had the lyrics in front of me. So it was super fun to like actually understand what you what you were saying. So uh I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah, I got a lot of enjoyment on it. At first I was irritated cuz I was like why is there only one track? Like like I hit the download button and I only got one MP3 and I'm like what where the fuck are the rest of the songs? And then I realized it's all just one MP3. <laughs> so That's in that's intentional. Right, right, right. That's part of my art. <laughs> it would, yeah. I mean, it, it would be kind of nice if they were split up so I could like send, you know, be like, oh, check out this hilarious fucking song. You know what I mean? Like, and send it to somebody or something. But, but the point is, this is an album, right? Not, not a collection <laughs> of singles, which is what people do now, right? Yeah. This is, uh, you know, this is the expression of multiple antiquated technologies. Yeah. Nah. The most antiquated being the book. Uh, right, right. Yeah. So, yeah, it was a good week. It was inspiring. You know, whenever I have to do these bullshit days at work, yeah, um, I get really pissed at first. Yeah. Like, really pissed. Like, dark, <laughs> dark yeah, fantasies you seem that I would, never, I would never repeat. Right, right. The things that I think, you know. Yeah. I wouldn't, I try to not even think them, uh, but I just have too much of my father in me. Right. So... Uh, uh, so I turned that energy into motivation and, uh, I just decide, all right, well, this, uh, this, this won't crush my spirit. I'll just focus this, the energy produced by the heat of my anger into some positive shit, some productivity. There you go. Yeah. So more terrible ideas, basically, is what that means. <laughs> like it's like fucking over the top thing. I wonder when it is that I'm going to be like, I've got a great idea for a movie. Oh, God. That's, I think that's going to be, you know. Yeah. Eventually, I'm going to think that I have a great idea for a movie, I'm sure, because I'm that dumb. Mm, I, just, I also kind of hope that I don't, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I think a movie is quite the undertaking. Even if you have like a lot of money, you know, right? It's hard to make it look legit and stuff. So, yeah, but what if you don't really try that hard to make it look like a big screen film? Yeah, I don't know. I think about like, um, like Red Fang. They do their videos, and their videos look great, you know. Um, and I, yeah. I would assume they're fairly low budget, you know. So, I think that depends on what you think low budget is. Yeah. Well, look, they I look mean, good. You know, so yeah, they look great, yeah, and that's important. Uh, yeah, and the, but those, you know, that's five minutes of right, yeah, five minutes of video, yeah. Well, maybe uh, your movie will be like like your album. Oh, that's well, you know the concept for the video. <laughs> yeah. That's a whole thing, right? The yeah. album video. <laughs> there are um, there there was a group of guys on YouTube years ago. Uh, I think they were called Five Second Films. And they would do mm -hmm. little five-second movies that were hilarious. Uh, really? Yeah, I'll put, I'll put a link in the show notes to some of those. 
they're very funny. Maybe, uh, maybe you should let the Couchress record label put out Burden on Society. Oh God, I need to get back on top of that. <laughs> what What about the logo that I sent? That was pretty uh, hot. That was great. Right? Yeah, I like that. Uh, I can't believe that you didn't think of that. Yeah, no, I I never even gave any thought to <laughs> logos in general. In general, so it's so good. I need to buy the domain name, you know, Burden on Society. Yeah, I uh, yeah, I have uh, this week has been well, the last two weeks have been crazy at work. We've had some turmoil and whatnot, and uh, I have two friends that I want to collaborate on some music with, and they both sent me a bunch of like ideas and like i've been even having a hard time responding to texts you know <laughs> like right so i feel so bad like they like put this effort in and then i don't even because re- you know i mean what's gonna i'm like dealing with some heavy sh- shit at work and i know like what's gonna happen is i'm gonna listen to the their riff and then get some ideas and then i'm not gonna be able to concentrate on you know real life stuff that pays the bills <laughs> Because I'm going to be thinking about their riffs or what, you know what I mean? So I've been putting off just listening to them. So today I was actually able to finally listen to one and put down some, put down some drums and some guitar and stuff. So that nice. was good. But Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> Need some more Jamie time. Um, yeah. It's hard to, I'm hard just to behind by. on everything. Yeah. I, I, did, I started using a new service to capture my video i'm not using zoom anymore oh yeah how's that maybe you can maybe you can tell me what i'm doing wrong okay i mean probably first of all probably if anyone that knew anything about video editing if they saw how i do things yeah they would be like you are what planet are you from (laughs) yeah um but so this this service pops out high def video for me mm-hmm. which is great because zoom does not capture high def video. Right, yeah um and also the sound is not very good yeah so it uses some kind of i don't know fucking black magic that records things locally but doesn't store it it like on a delayed upload it uploads it to a cloud and then so that if there's any stuttering it doesn't jitter or anything right yeah and it's time synced somehow black magic again Mm -hmm. and uh and the video looks really great then i pop it into my editing system and i pop out you know it also gives me individuals right 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 so it gives my individual video and their individual video which is great because i can i can do a side by side right i can set it up like that i also get an audio track that lines up and i can pan left and right oh it's great which is really good. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then I can go through and cut back center full screen whenever someone is sort of talking for an extended amount of time. Yeah. But how I do it is I do, you know, three complete videos and then I cut it like it's a TV show. Right. Between the three angles. And so then you, by so the you time basically I, have three tracks that are all synced up. Three video yeah. tracks. Right. Okay. And then by the time I output this shit, mm-hmm. it just fucking looks like 720. And I'm, I load it in 4K every time. And I, but also it's fucking enormous. What the, uh, the file yeah. that, I, that I just output for this week's episode, which is the first one that I'm using this service. Mm-hmm. It's, um, don't laugh. It's, uh, let's see. 
36.84 gigabytes. Holy shit. How long is the episode? That's like an hour and a half. Okay. But I mean, I don't understand how you can download a high def movie from iTunes or Apple or whatever, and it's only a couple gigs. Yeah. Um, so I use a, uh, I do a lot of screencasting. So where I record my screen and, and talk over the top as a tutorial for, you know, my work and stuff like, oh, this is how you do this and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Whenever I save it, it's huge. And then I use a program called Wondershare Uni Converter. And you can drag your video file in there. And then it gives you a bunch of different op- output options. So like different mm-hmm. resolutions and, you know, if you want stereo, if you want to mix it down to mono, like when I'm talking, you know, when I'm doing a voiceover, it doesn't need to be fucking stereo. You know what I mean? So like converting it to mono saves a little bit of space and so on and so forth. So, um, but yeah, this program really like compresses, uh, stuff to where it looks good and gets the file size way down. So maybe it's something right. to look into. I think it was maybe 50 bucks or something. I'll send Let you me ask you this. Since these videos are 1080 and I loaded them in at 4K, does that make them bigger and even and blow them out? Yes. So I fucked up. Is that, that's what you're saying? Yeah, there's no point in working in 4K when your raw, raw footage is 1080. You know what I mean? Like it's not going right. to make it look any better. Um, but I think what will happen Dingling. is uh, sometimes it'll... Like I know with images, what happens is like, especially in screen printing, you know, people will send us stuff and we'll be like, oh, it's way too small. You need to, we need a bigger version of the art. And so what they'll do is they'll open it in Photoshop and just make it bigger. Um, right. And what Photoshop does, I think it's called subsampling, but. Uh, and they won't touch it up or anything. Yeah. They'll, um, so Photoshop will like look at the pixel next to it and make one similar, you know? So what happens is you just get a bigger piece of art, but it just looks like shit because it's been like subsampled um so right. that doesn't work and so i don't know if video does the same thing where it just like kind of subsamples and so you know trying to increase the resolution just makes it look even shittier and then and you end up with a giant shitty looking file so um, right yeah hmm. see wonder share so yeah if you're getting 1080p you may as well edit in 1080p you know what i mean so i should fucking delete that shit and redo it uh, so that the video doesn't blow out and also the file will be smaller. That's what you're telling me. Yeah. Tech Talk with Jamie. I, I would think. I mean, as always, I always tell people that listen to this show, don't take my advice, but at least that's my assumption. Of, there are uh, certain things that I'll take your advice on <laughs> and then many other things that I would not. Right. right. Let's see. Okay, I'm going to sh- send you this utility. It's called... Uh, Wondershare. Oh, wonderful. And you'll be able to see um, like how it works. I think there's a trial and all that stuff. But yeah, I use that pretty much for all the videos that I get. Well, you know, that's just great. Yeah. Like I, I'll like pull like security camera footage for the police or, you know, whatever, or Jen getting attacked by a crow, you know, and it doesn't need to be, <laughs> <laughs> which this totally happened. It's fucking hilarious. Uh, I, well, cause, so I think she... There was like an injured crow and she was trying to help it. And crows are weird. I think the, they're very smart. And I think they're like coyotes. Yeah. Kinda. And they're so like flying coyotes. Right. Right. So I think the crows thought that she had hurt the other crow. And so the crows have had it out for Jen for quite a while now. 
and uh, they don't forget either yeah so i got a great video of some crow like swooping at her head and shit so yeah i'll try to find that and send it to you maybe put it in the show notes at least i think it was i a crow, so. i used to get dive bombed by the crows <laughs> yeah you did something to piss them off then it's true yeah i always just uh mm. when i used to eat burger king every day for lunch i would always throw french fries out for them to eat them that was <laughs> right. hilarious fucking you know wildlife eating fast food and just cracked me up <laughs> so <laughs> do you know who communes with all forms of nature all forms of wildlife no don gun oh really yeah no he's he can feed birds and squirrels right out of his hand Whoa. he gets the squirrels that come up onto his shoulder and yeah. eat out of his hand and stuff That's it's funny. fucking crazy wow yeah yeah, my friend Ryan, we were telling him he should start, we should film a public access show. Uh, I forget what the name of it was, but he's like a weird animal whisperer. Like, and uh, what we were going to do is we were going to film a, like a public access show where he would like try to like find people's lost dogs who are like under, under their neighbor's deck and shit, you know, like he's, <laughs> he's just the weirdest fucking ability to speak with animals. It's crazy. I can barely speak with my animals. Yeah. <laughs> well, you said so in the song. Two songs, right? Oh, yeah. They got a couple songs. Yeah. Uh, they don't, I mean, you know, they kind of care. They don't really care. Right, right. They, you know, they're busy doing their dog shit. Yeah. They got dog shit to take care of. <laughs> Our dogs are, uh, every everything revolves around us for the dogs. So. How's your doggy? He's doing good. We, uh, Jen had taken him to the University of Washington to get checked out. And unfortunately they haven't seen anything. So, uh, you know, so he might make the team. They, uh, yeah, I think they did like a brain scan and they kept him overnight and, uh, you know, did some bunch of tests and stuff on him, but they, they think he just has sleep apnea and there's nothing that they can do about it. So I bought a couple of cameras to put on their beds you know, and I'm just been capturing footage and right. trying to, you know, send it to them so they can see what's going on. So, but I mean, for the most part, he's been fine. I just feel bad. Cause like every, I don't know, 15 to 20 minutes that he's sleeping, he wakes up just like gasping for air, you know? And it's just like, fuck dude, I just feel that bad. For him. So, cause I mean that, you know, that was my issue before I got my CPAP, you know, I just like wake up <laughs> just like suffocating, you know? So yeah, it's pretty miserable. And it makes you real fucking crabby when you don't get any sleep for years and years because you don't get any REM sleep, you know? Yeah, no shit. Yeah, that's pretty bad. I used to be real mean. Well, way meaner than I am now, so. <laughs> You're a fucking softy. I used to be way meaner. So. I I believe that. Yeah. I feel like I know that. I believe that and I remember <laughs> it. Never to me, but. No. Yeah. Whatever. Too lot of random. It's hard. Like not having sleep is tough. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to remember. I think uh, when they did that sleep study on me, they found out that I was waking up once a minute. So once a minute. Yeah, once a minute. Like my brain would wow. like start to wake up. So yeah. So like when I did the sleep study, <clears throat> you know, you go in and you just they put a bunch of electrodes or whatever the fuck they are all, all over your body, and you just sleep in this room and. 10 minutes in the guy comes in he's like yeah we're putting a cpap on you i was like okay and uh what it, tell me what that is again it's a machine that forces air in into your nose or my and or mouth right so i have a mask that fits over my face that just pushes air into my mouth and uh 
it's because like my throat or my tongue, something back there was, would relax and it would basically cut off my airway when I would start to fall asleep. And so then I would like wake up because I wasn't breathing or whatever. And when you don't breathe like that, when your, your brain, it gets starved for oxygen, you can have a stroke. So, uh, what the CPAP does is it just like applies air pressure and it's able to push past whatever's closing my throat and stopping me from breathing. So, um, yes. On a scale of one to 10, 10 being absolutely life-changing, zero being, eh, what do you rate this thing? Um, so 10 being life-changing? Yeah. Uh, I would say 200. Oh. Like when I woke up from the first night of, uh, you know, so when I woke up from the sleep study at they like at like 6 a.m., it was like I was on cocaine. I was like shot out of a cannon because it was the first time I'd gotten any sleep in probably eight years. Like I, right. it was insane how much energy I had. I was fucking nuts. Um, and I was just like, oh my God, like I can't believe how great this is. And the thing that sucked is it took like two weeks to get a CPAP machine. And so I knew for two weeks how great it could be. <laughs> and I had two more weeks of like suffering through just like no sleep, right. you know? And, you know, I would fall asleep all the time. Like I would be sitting up eating Nodding dinner off. with people, just like falling asleep. I would fall asleep driving to work. I would fall asleep driving home from work. Like, I mean, there would be stretches of the drive, you know, cause it takes me an hour and 15 to an hour and a half to get to work. It'd be long stretches where I'd just like come to, and I have no idea where I was because I'd fallen asleep behind the wheel so long. Like, it was fucking dangerous, dude. Cause I was just exhausted no, and tired all the time. So, and you know, that's it made me crabby terrifying. and irritable and, you know, took it out on people I cared about and which is pretty awful. I don't know how Jennifer put up with it for so long, you know? So, and you know, whenever I encounter anybody who has that, I find out snores or has any kind of sleep issues, I'm like, just go get a fucking sleep study done. Like this will change your life. And it's amazing how many people won't do it. You know, I'm like, seriously, if there's one thing you can do and you're like, go get a fucking sleep study, this will make your life so much better, you know? Right. And people are always like, nah, you know, it's just, yeah, it's really frustrating. So, but yeah, change my life for the better. Like I, you know, uh, the, the, the one downside to it is my body now it's, if I do fall asleep without the CPAP on my body's so used to having air pushed into it that it doesn't really do a good job of breathing on its own when it's asleep. Right. So like I, you know, so, and we have a lot of power outages in Portland. So it's like, once the power goes out, it's like, fuck, you know, I mean, I have a, do you really, Oh, we have crazy power outages in Portland all the time. Um, huh. yeah, it's like, the, it's like, it's windy and it's like, Oh, great. Well, here we go. You know, it's going to be a power outage. Uh, right. And, um, I can't sleep without the CPAP. So if we have a long outage that outlasts my UPS uh, battery, um, I have to fucking get up and stay up. So, yeah. Uh, do you have to sleep on your back now because of that? Uh, well, that's how I, I, I was sleeping anyways. So. Oh, really? Yeah. Fucking weirdo. <laughs> I think that's part of the problem. So. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. Anyways. Fucking hell. Um, did I did I talk about my wife getting her driver's license yet? You did, yeah. You said she got a little uh, hybrid SUV or whatever, right? 
Yeah, it's nice. great. Oh, I'm so happy. And <laughs> she's fucking over the fucking moon. That's great. So she's not afraid to drive or anything like that. She's excited. She has now she is driving on the freeway through Albany. Wow. Through like the the over the interchanges and stuff. Yeah. Because she really wanted to go to hot yoga. Yeah. And so, you know. She had to fucking, she had to do it. You know, she had to get her bravery on. Right. And she's doing it. Like, yeah, it's, it's, great. it's really great. She's, she's gotten really comfortable. Yeah, that's good. And it's also a place where she can listen to her shitty, like, trap music or whatever. <laughs> she loves that shit. Yeah, I don't think I'm aware of any of it. Oh, yeah. You don't, you don't want to. Okay. That's probably fine. You don't want to. Yeah. So that's really good. I'm really happy about that. If I'm going to listen mm. to some new music, it should not be trap music. Is that what you're saying? That's right. I have a humble <laughs> brag. Yeah, what is to it? To share. Um, optimistically, I bought a, a travel case for my Oxbox. Hey. Yeah. It's like one of the, you know, SKB, like, right, right. you know, things. Yeah. That's pretty so, exciting. So if I go play with someone, I can bring this thing along and you know, be fucking tolerable. Nice. <laughs> and I can wind my amp up and it's great. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. cool. You got, bad, any, right? uh, you got any gigs on the horizon? Where, where were you last week? You went to Austin. How was that? I went to Austin, Texas for a wedding. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. That was fun. Um, Austin, Texas has changed a lot. Man, yeah. is it different? Oh, really? Yeah, dude. It's, uh, I just, I don't even know. You know, it's still cooler than most places. But, yeah. I spent a bit of know. time at there in the early 2000s. I had some friends that lived there and I'd go down and visit them and it was fucking great. Like going Really to, cool town then. Yeah. Um, really yeah. cool town. Some bar that we used to go to that I really liked on 6th Street. It was called, uh, I feel like it started with an R. It was called like Roscoe's or something. But yeah, it was a lot of fun. I had some barbecue while I was there. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Should we talk about this record? We should. We should. Actually, I, I do have some follow-up. Oh, let's go. So, well, uh, I don't even know what the last last thing, uh, last thing we did was Jeff Beck, but I don't have Jeff Beck follow-up. Uh, I have some follow-up for Oh, Ab I have some follow-up. Okay. Uh, Chris, my buddy Chris, Yeah. he was also like, eh. He, well, he, first he said, thank you for, thank you for doing that record. Uh, never been my favorite. He's like... Beck's guitar playing on it is just sort of like weird and, you know, inconsistent. Yeah. I think is the word he used. And I can see that. Like he wasn't very refined yet. He's, you know, he likes his later stuff, but he, you know, he pointed out a bunch of songs that he really liked and that, uh, and it sent him down the sort of Ron Wood, Rod Stewart. Oh, wow. Yeah. Rabbit hole. And yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, I thought John's intro was pretty funny where he, uh, let the cat out of the bag that he did not like this record. <laughs> so whatever. I thought that was I, funny. I actually haven't heard it yet. Oh really? No. Yeah, the intro's pretty funny. So I'll have to listen. Yeah. Um Yeah, so for Abbey Road, uh I forget what I was doing. I was watching some YouTube videos about something, but um the song Her Majesty, which is the last song on Abbey Road, and we thought that seemed kind of weird. Yeah. Turns out that technically that's the first hidden track ever 
on a record because uh, they decided to add that song to the record after the the record jackets had been printed. So on the first pressing of Abbey Road, Her Majesty's not actually listed on the record jacket. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, right? Is there a space? Is there like a long no, I don't pause think so. in the sequence? I don't think so. That would be pretty hot. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I thought that was interesting. Uh, a few weeks ago... <laughs> what? I just had an awesome idea for a record where the whole record is a hidden track. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how do you do that? Do you hide the vinyl right. somewhere? Yeah, you just... Uh, it's just silent. It's just like 35 minutes of silence and then an eight-minute hidden track. <laughs> That's pretty good. Isn't that genius? Yeah, I like that. Shit. Uh, a few weeks ago, you said that I was a dick for not knowing Harmony's last name. You're like, how good of a friend are you if you don't know her last name? <laughs> and uh, when I heard that back on She's the- She's changed her name five times? Yeah. No, when I, when I heard that back on the episode, I remembered a couple of time, a couple of other times where I'd forgotten people's names. Um, <laughs> so I was in- I do it a lot. I was in it, a, It's really embarrassing. Well, with, with close people. So I was in a band called Burn, my second band. And I was being interviewed by an, uh, our like weekly newspaper, and they asked <laughs> they asked me that we were just a three piece too, you know. And uh, they asked me the name of the bass player, and I was like, "Oh, his name's Phil." And they're like, "What's Phil's last name?" And I couldn't think of it. And then I kind of realized I'd never ever even known it, you know. And so I I said, "Oh, well, uh, he's a bass player. His last name is Simmons." <laughs> So I said his name is Phil Simmons. <laughs> so yeah, he was not very happy about that. Did you tell him that you didn't know his last name? I did. Yeah. <laughs> so what did he say? He just laughed. So I mean, we weren't super good friends. We just played in a band together. Uh, but then uh, Ryan <laughs> Crab, who um, I've been playing music with for I think twenty five years this year, Ryan's first show. Ryan joined the band a week before we had like our biggest show. And um, mm -hmm. it, it's a really cool story how he joined the band, but uh, I won't go into that here. But we're playing this, we're playing this show to like a bunch of, bunch of people. And um, I introduced the band. I'm like, oh, back here's Joey on drums. And I look over at Ryan and I point to Ryan. I'm like, this is our new bass player. And I, I can't even think of his first name, right? And I just, I go, this How is our new How long have you known him? I go, I, uh, I'd only known him for like a week, right? Uh, I'm like, this is our new bass player. There he is. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, felt a little bad about that. Didn't even know uh, his first name. How'd it go down after the show? Oh, he was, he was fine. <laughs> so Right. Yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah, we've been friends ever since. That is fucking pretty awesome. Yeah, I'm pretty bad with names. I, I fuck that up a lot, too. Yeah. You know, there's that thing. Do you have the thing yes, with I Jen do. where yep. you have the social cue where you're like, hey, guys. This and is my uh, wife, Jen. And then Jen introduces herself and then they introduce their self to Jen, which tells me what their name is. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Yeah. yeah. That's a, that's a real good go-to. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and the funny thing is like, I never forget a face. Um, yeah, of course. You know, we can watch any movie and I'm like, oh, I know this person from this movie and that movie and this movie and that movie. Uh, but as to, you know, what my bass player's name is, I have no fucking clue. <laughs> so, 
<laughs> really weird. Oh, fuck. Well, that's all the follow-up I got. Should we talk about this amazing revolutionary album? Yes. I Probably, I think, maybe one of the most... Maybe, one of the most revolutionary albums of all time for any genre, I'd say. Absolutely. Yeah. It's fucking unbelievable. This album is a masterpiece. Do you want to tell the people what, what we're talking about? We're, this week, we're talking about the uh, 1989 Beastie Boys album, Paul's Boutique. And yeah, if you haven't heard it, holy shit, it's amazing. It, like 1989, no fucking, no Pro Tools. No. You know, no digital ed. There's like, you can sample and you have drum machines and turntables and that's it. Right. Sequencers, you know? Yeah. The funny thing about this record is when I listen back to License to Ill, their first record, it, that, that sounds really dated to me. But Paul's Boutique does not sound dated at all to me. Yeah. I, yeah. No, I don't think so either. No. Like it totally, I mean, and I don't know if it's just because it, I... Think I think because they were, you know, it was similar to all like everything that was happening at that time. Everyone was using 808s. Right. And, you know, they were using the same beats. They they did have, they were using pretty cool samples still. They, you know, they're yeah. using Zeppelin and what uh, they had, uh, maybe it's in the, it's in Paul's boutique. They have a mountain sample in there from Mississippi Queen. And yeah. Uh, you know, there's Beatles sample, like, but yeah, the first one, you know, they use, there's some electric guitar in there. Carrie King played yeah. on it. Yeah. But this album, they played on it. Well, this album is, which is, is mostly samples. But they also played on it. Did they? Yeah, they played some instruments. Mm, For sure I they feel did. Like you're thinking of, I feel like you're thinking of Check Your Head. I think that the they played album. a little bit on this. Oh, maybe I'm thinking of uh, Ryman and Steelen. Yeah, maybe. Anyway, I think that they might have played on this album a little bit. Yeah. I think so. Mississippi Queen is uh, sampled on Looking Down the Barrel of a Gun. Yeah. Um, how, how fucking ballsy are they to sample the Beatles? Oh, yeah. Multiple times, too. <laughs> and yeah. they totally got away with it, too. Zeppelin, everything. Uh, have they... Do you know anything about the legalities? Because this is like an album... With a legendary number of of samples, yeah. uncleared samples, because this predates any of that shit. This was still the Wild West. Well, they went back and uh, did clear almost all of the samples on this record a couple of years later, and they cleared it for like two hundred and fifty grand. All of the samples. Wow. Yeah. That's um, nothing. Yeah, and I think uh, the Bismarcky lawsuit a couple of years later. Uh, once that happened, that's when sampling was, it had gotten, they had established a precedent for how much it cost to license samples. And then after that, nobody wanted to sample anymore because it was too expensive. Right. So yeah, they, what was the Bismarck key one? Uh, was it just a friend? And I forget who they're, who they sample that from. Huh? Let me look it up. I didn't know that. Cause he can play the piano or he could God rest in peace. Well, I think the the whole melody of the song is uh, like a cover, basically, isn't it? That also, I mean, were people doing that yet? Because now it's that still happens, right? 
where they'll change the lyric and do an ex like the chords and everything, and it's exact, exact. Yeah. Maybe they replay it. Here's something interesting. I know a guy in LA who goes, or you at least he used to. I don't know if he still does. He goes to Dre's studio. He's mm -hmm. a guitarist. And Dre doesn't want to pay to clear samples. And if he really wants to, you know, like if he'll build a song with samples in it, mm -hmm. he'll go back and the parts where there's samples, he'll just retrack everything. Yeah. So that it sounds like it. And right. this guy is the guitar player that does that shit for him. Huh. That's pretty dirty. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, I think you still have to pay some amount of money, but since you're not using the original master recording yeah you pay just a like some kind of license fee yeah or a pu like a publishing fee and not right not a licensing fee uh so real-time follow-up on bismarcky so rapper bismarcky had sampled a portion of the song alone again naturally by singer-songwriter gilbert gilbert o'sullivan in the track alone again on marky's third album i need a haircut so that's uh yeah, I'm not going to read the whole Wikipedia page, but yeah, I thought it was different, just a friend. Different it's song. Not, yeah. So uh, I like that uh, Gilbert O'Sullivan song. Yeah, that's good. Um, yeah. So <laughs> back to this record. So I, you know, I came up as a BMXer in the 80s. And wait a minute, you rode BMX? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> B, uh, BMX had a weird tie in with the Beastie Boys. Um, Licensed Ill was huge with BMXers. And it, you know, until I watched the Beastie Boys story, the thing on Apple Plus, um, yeah, I never realized that Paul's Boutique wasn't huge, and they considered it like it. You know, it was considered like I a didn't commercial either. failure. Like I, it was huge in my little town. Yeah, it was huge in BMX too. Um, uh, you know, so uh, some trivia on this: the second time I ever had sex. Well, uh, second time I ever had sex as a teenager, um, I had put this tape on. <laughs> so, because I, I think I had heard. Did of, you get past barrel of a gun? Uh, I don't remember. <laughs> Probably. I never had a problem with uh, things going by too fast. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I just, uh, yeah, I remember, I remember the first time I, uh, I heard this tape. It was in my friend Kurt's garage. I remember it was on a green tape, um, which yeah. I, I don't think I'd ever seen a colored tape before uh, and was just blown away and this record. And, and so this record culturally had a huge impact on me. There are so many samples in this record that I found out about those songs after hearing this record. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like a lot of classic stuff. Uh, I found out about um, Dolomite and the Mac movies from this record you know like culturally had the huge impact on me as a kid there's so, so many clever funny lyrical references i mean it's really smart right as, yeah as you know this was like a this was a transitional record because before this they were talking about fucking and they still talk they still talk about like chasing girls a little bit yeah. in this record but they're starting to find themselves they're starting to grow up they're starting to realize they don't want to be clowns right you know they don't want to basically they don't want to be uh the insane clown posse yeah right um 
but it's yeah it's incredibly smart yeah clever i remember hearing the lyric i got a million ideas i ain't even rocked yet and being so excited <laughs> thinking that <laughs> oh my god they got a million songs coming you know it's just like so excited for that uh um yeah i remember my friend told he uh, a buddy of mine that i was in the marine corps with had to tell me uh, my buddy rob he had to tell me that uh, I got more hits than Sarao yeah. meant, what that meant. Yeah. Do you know what that means? Uh, no. He's the Japanese home run king. Oh, really? Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> That's fucking... I was, you know, he, he's a big baseball fan, and he was like, oh, yeah, it's, that's my favorite line. Yeah. I didn't... Uh, I didn't um, in the song Johnny Rael, I didn't notice or, or know... Uh, until recently what Maggie's farm was. So there's a line in the song where he said he's not going to work on Maggie's farm no more, which is right. uh, lifted from a Dylan song, right? Yeah. Which is a great song. I know you hate it. And they also mentioned Bob Dylan a couple of times on the record. <laughs> so, well, he's a decide, you know, he's like a New York icon. Yeah. And they're New York people. Oh, that's they're New true. York yeah. icons. It makes sense. Right. Yeah. I love that. They, <sighs> I love that they sample a bunch of different drums from different records on this <sighs> album. And it's crazy because like mid song, they'll change samples so that it's like a totally different snare, a totally different snare recording. It's just yeah. like, you would think it just wouldn't work, but it's so much better than a, like a drum machine, you know, they even managed to, and I don't, I don't think that it's a sample. I think they, they lifted the drum beat and programmed it on the 808, but they lift a fucking Eagles song. Oh, yeah. Um, and the Eagles are fucking Nazis. Right. These fucking guys, you know, they will fucking hunt you down and kill you over that shit. Yeah. Yeah, they sampled these shoes by the Eagles on High Plains Drifter, which is a yeah. fucking... I mean, can we just tap the brakes for a second and talk about how funky this record is i mean i know i sound like the whitest dude ever saying that but it's just like it's like stinky face rock you know where like something rocks so hard and you just get that stinky face headbang going it's like that but yeah. funk it's so good fuck i'm with you man i'm with you this oh. was one of my favorite records to listen to yeah for this show yeah this um it's not like I ever forgot how amazing this is. Yeah. But the last two weeks was really, you know, really reaffirmed. <laughs> yeah. It made up and for solidified a, my love affair with this record. Made up for a lot of Rudy, uh, <laughs> a lot of Rudy submission weeks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Rudyisms. Good. Um, you know, and this, this, this album was just like it's it was so much different than all other hip-hop at the time you know like nobody was singing songs about like rockabilly homeless dudes and like egging people's <laughs> houses and cars you know like there's an entire song dedicated to egging people like how fucking great is that so funny oh it's fucking uh, brilliant i mean they uh I mean, it sounds funny, but they were just fearless. Yeah. Or foolish, or both. Yeah. They were just doing what they wanted. You know, they, they had... that. Watching that story was really interesting, because I would... I remember there were, it felt like a long time between those records. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. But it wasn't, really. You know, all things considered. <sighs> I mean, kind of. 
When did that? When did uh, License to Ill come out? Eighty six. Uh, eighty seven. Right. So let's see. I have it written down here somewhere. Uh, yeah, License to Ill was eighty six. This was eighty nine. So I mean, I guess yeah. four years. But you yeah, know, that's to, a long uh, to time. us now, it's not a long time. You know, I have this theory right. about um, you know when you're two years old, right? One year is half of your entire life, right? But now. Yeah. I mean, at 47, one year is what? One 47th of my entire life. Right. So right. as you get older, things, time seems to speed up, but when you're young, you know, it's, it just drags Slow. on. So, uh, you know, the, so for us living through that time, the time between license to ill and Paul's boutique, yeah, seemed like a fucking eternity when you're 14 or whatever, you know? Um, yeah. So do you have any idea how long? I don't remember this from the documentary. How long they spent in production on this record? It was either this one or Check Your Head was like two years. But I think this one, I mean, most of the backing tracks were already like finished Dust Brothers things. And they just bought the tracks basically and rhymed over the top of it. Which Is that know, right? Yeah. I mean, that and the like the instrumentals of this... It, on their own mm -hmm. are unbelievable. Yeah. No, I mean, and then we got the way that the they, brothers on this. Holy fuck. Their interaction, you know, the, just the way they, uh, they go off of each other. Yeah. Is pretty unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't say that they're the greatest, but they're up there. Yeah. I'd say, I mean, I'm a big run DMC fan. I know that you, think that's grandpa rap or whatever yeah not into it <laughs> um i think they're fucking incredible and these guys got a lot from them yeah uh public enemy you know chuck d yeah obviously oh yeah for sure one of the fucking baddest motherfuckers to ever grab a microphone yeah well i thought it was interesting that you know they didn't just uh sample like old stuff they also sampled like bring the noise and yeah. uh some other stuff which had only come out a year prior <laughs> you know what i mean like they were i mean they pulled shit from everywhere which is pretty amazing so hurricane didn't have anything to do with the production he just scratched on the record i yeah i don't know i think so huh i always kind of assumed that he was a part of this the production of this right what else have did the dust brothers do uh, oh, real quick. Li License of Ill came out November 15th, 1986. So basically 1987. And then this uh, Paul's Boutique came out in the summer of 89. Uh, the right. Dust Brothers went on to do a bunch of stuff for Beck. They did Odelay. Um, they did, uh, oh, they produced, uh, I think they produced Umbop by Hanson. Wow. Yeah, they, really? they produced Umbop by Hanson. Um they did, uh, yeah, Where It's At, Devil's Haircut, New Pollution, Jackass. They co-produced Motley Crue's, uh, Vince Neil's soul album, Carved in Stone. I'd never, <laughs> I'd never heard that before. So, yeah, they kept pretty busy afterwards. Uh, they did some stuff for the Fight Club soundtrack. Huh. And, uh, yeah, so. Well, those guys are f fucking geniuses. Also, I think, didn't they? I would say this is the fucking... This is the peak of their powers, though. Oh, yeah, for sure. 
which you know they were just like undiscovered like computer science students at like cal berkeley or something weird like i don't even think they were uh like musicians necessarily i think they did a record with liz fair and it was terrible wow. oh really yeah let me look that up real quick dust brothers liz fair mm, i'm not seeing it maybe it's not the dust brothers i'm thinking of but she did a yeah it must not have been the dust brothers because i remember uh, she put out an album she worked with some like really popular commercial producers and we were all like what the fuck is she doing you know and the record right. was terrible i think she was trying to like make it you know break through the mainstream or whatever and it right. was a disaster but um i want to take a sidestep really quick yeah it pains it pains me to say this i, I i'm still very sad uh about uh a dude's passing. MCA. And, yeah. And yeah. I was at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction. Yeah. Did I tell this story already? Yeah, tell it again. All I right. think I've heard it, but. I was at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction uh, that where these guys were inducted. And they did not perform. Right. Because he, you know, he was not, he was on his way out. Yeah, I think he'd passed away a month afterwards. Uh, and, actually, uh, that, actually, that day he was put into the hospital. So. Is that right? Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. So, um, you know, those guys were super humble and cool and sad and yeah. gracious, yeah. you know. But The Roots was the band. You know, mm -hmm. they're the house band for fucking everything, right? Yeah, but yeah. they're the house band for that event. And then, I don't remember who... You should find this and put it in the show notes, but Kid Rock... Oh yeah, and two other and two other people. I don't remember. Oh, I th it was the guy Kid Rock, the guy from uh, uh, the Roots, mm -hmm. the MC from the Roots, right? And one other person did the three part, and they did, uh, you know, they did a medley yeah. of songs, and I was just like, oh God, you know, really, Kid yeah. Rock? <laughs> yeah, that's that's too bad. But it was fucking awesome. Oh, really? It was. I mean, I maybe feel like because. I watched it, but maybe because I had such a bad attitude about it. Yeah. Um. Because they. The thing is, is they didn't even really go all the way. You know, they didn't rehearse the whole thing. Yeah. I should. Um. I should ask Kirk about that. Cause, cause I was there for the whole day, mm -hmm. like through rehearsals of everything. Yeah. They just sort of like just kind of fucked around and worked on transitions a little bit. Yeah. And they didn't really do the whole thing until that night. And I was like, huh, this is going to suck. Right. But when it got to that part of the night, it just, it was fucking seamless. It was so fucking good. Yeah. I couldn't, I was stunned. And it just reminded me like, fuck, Kid Rock is a cunt, but he's really talented. Yeah. He's as talented as any any of the guys on stage. Yeah. And I just and before that moment I did not believe that, you know. Yeah, there's some bands that are just so, that good, you know. Like I remember hearing a story about uh John Frusciante. Well, yeah, it helps to have the roots. Right, yeah. You know. Like I remember hearing a uh a story about John Frusciante. He was going to he was going to get up and and play with somebody like guest on a song at a show and the guitar player was like uh, do you want to tune up with me? And he's like, oh, I'll just, I'll just bend it in. 
<laughs> like I'll just bend <laughs> it into tune. Like like didn't even, you know, phase them. And uh yeah, I, there's just some people that are just that fucking talented, you know. I watch uh, a I watch a drum channel where a guy talks about how what the difference is between a professional drummer and like everybody else and basically, you know, like especially living in New York where there's nowhere to practice. Uh, people rent practice right. spaces and they have like a shared kit and the shared kit's always like the shittiest thing in the world. Um, right. Or like, I think when you play here's house me, kit. Yeah. Here's me telling you, uh, yeah, you play house kits at venues and stuff and they're always fucked up. And he's like, you just got, if you're a pro, you can play anything, you know, um, right. the shittiest kick pedal, the shittiest tuned snare, like the shittiest symbols. You just make it work and make it when look I- effortless you know that's when i did that tour in australia there was this guy that was filling in on drums with slayer and anthrax oh yeah yeah i remember this he played in two bands and when i asked him how much he had to practice he's like almost not at all right yeah and his hands were super fucked up you could tell he was telling the truth like he had after the second second day of the tour he was wearing gloves because his hands were so fucked up right yeah um he's like i just i listen and study you know yeah but i mean the best musicians are are the best listeners right yeah and they're able to react so kind of getting back to this record uh well actually if we're going to talk about uh mca real quick so uh, you know bmx and skateboarding I, i would assume had like a strong tie with uh the beastie boys and in 92, when they were doing the Check Your Head tour, they came, they had come to Davenport, Iowa to play at the call, wall, the call Ballroom. And at the time, I was working at a skate park. Uh, was, I worked for like a BMX company and, and at a skate park. That company was based out of an office in the park. Anyways, um, one of the guys from the park went to the call, the venue, and was like, hey, I heard the Beastie Boys are playing tonight. I work at a skate park. If MCA wants to come down and skate, we'll bring a, you know, I'll drive him down there. And so MCA fucking comes out, gets in his car, comes down to the skate park. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's just like MCA is like 10 people at the park. We spent the day with him. He bought us all Chinese food, you know, like we got Chinese like delivered. We all had lunch together. We all rode together. He was just like, he was just like another skater. You know what I mean? I think he was like the first like famous musician that I'd ever met. Um, but it and was, it was super cool, yeah. And it set a terrible fucking set a terrible bar because you thought <laughs> yeah. that everyone was going to be that cool when you were. My, yeah, like the uh, next person must have been terribly disappointing, yes. unless it was Dimebag. No, uh, yeah. I mean, he he was just like uh, you know, because we would have pro we would have pro skaters come and skate with us and ride with us and stuff like that. Um, you know, I mean, Spike Jones was a BMXer. He would come out to Rampage every once in a while and stuff like that. Uh, the direct, I guess he's a, well, I don't guess. I know he's, he's like a big time director and stuff. Um, yeah. and, uh, I mean, he just seemed like one of the guys, you know, was totally cool. Uh, bought us all food. I, I mean, that was like the most amazing thing. Cause we were all broke as fuck, you know, <laughs> like, and he just like whips out a couple of hundreds and pays for all our food, you know, uh, put every single one of us on the guest list, which kind of sucked. Cause like me and my girlfriend had already bought tickets for the show that night. <laughs> We're like, oh crap, okay. Uh, Did you give your tickets away or sell them? Yeah, we. Uh, I think we gave them away to some kids that weren't at the park that day. So, 
Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and then went and saw them play that night and they were fucking amazing, you know, seeing them, uh, you know, uh, basically at a, a theater, you know? And th- yeah, this was- I uh, never saw them. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was I really did live good. in Portland when they played at um, Wyden and Kennedy's. Oh, yeah. Uh, holiday party. Yeah. And my roommates, my roommates saw that, saw that show. Oh, wow. Yeah. A friend of mine- yeah. A friend of mine worked for Widen and Kennedy at the time and told us about it afterwards. So, can you yeah. even fucking believe that? Yeah. Well, I mean, that, and it was they just gigs, they set know? up like so. they set up on the floor, just like right there. Wow. Like that's there was awesome. no stage or anything. <laughs> there was just like on the floor. Yeah. That's it. So fucking killer. Yeah, it's always weird to me to think about the Beastie Boys like headlining Lollapalooza. Not and not like they don't deserve it, and not like I don't think they were, you know, weren't amazing or anything. But I, I just I always felt, uh, you know, like they were like me. You know what I mean? Um, so like seeing them play like a basement show at a like a punk house would not have seemed that weird to me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Uh, I mean, the weird thing to me is like, oh, they headlined Lollapalooza or they sold out Madison Square Garden and the Rosemont Horizon in 30 minutes or what, you know, whatever. <laughs> like, it's like, whoa. Uh, yeah, so. Did uh. you listen to any of their later stuff? So I was big into Check Your Head. Uh, I, I basically dropped off, started to drop off around License to Ill or not License to Ill. Um, what was the one after Check Your Head? The one with Sabotage. Uh, yeah, I Ill Communication. That was good. Yeah, yeah Ill, Ill Communication. It was a great record, um, but yeah, I kind of dropped off after that. And then, yeah, I don't think I ever listened to Hello Nasty or anything like that. But I will say I listened to, um, I really enjoyed some of that stuff off Hot Sauce Committee, that record they put out in 2011. Dude, Five Burrows is pretty killer. Yeah? Yeah, it's a little throwback and a little, it's kind of like, throwback modern in the way that some of that back like earlier back shit was right yeah. you know where it's like has these retro vibes but it's up to date doesn't feel dated or whatever yeah uh it's pretty good you should give it a try okay yeah yeah i really dug um uh that song make you make some noise from i think it's from hot sauce committee and they had that video uh where those actors dressed up as the young beastie boys did you ever see that no oh you never saw this oh it's fucking amazing it's uh it's that guy elijah wood uh who's in lord of the rings he's dressed up <laughs> yeah. as he's dressed up as ad rock uh seth rogan is mike d and then <laughs> and then danny mcbride is mca right uh and then wow. there's a mil so i wrote down the list of cameos uh so they put out uh, uh the video make some noise right and the premise of the video is it's right after they filmed the uh, You Gotta Fight for Your Right to Party video, right? So it starts out with them like falling out of the the apartment door where they filmed, you know, You, you Gotta Fight for Your Right to Party. And then they like right. race hell in the streets of New York. Uh, so the Make make Some Noise video is like however long the song is. But they did like a 30-minute movie, which is pretty good. And in the movie... Wow. Um, here's the list of people in the movie. So Elijah Wood, Danny McBride, Seth Rogen, Rashida Jones, Will Arnett, Rain Wilson, Jason Schwartzman, Ted Danson, uh, <laughs> Amy Poehler, Steve Buscemi, uh, Chloe, Chloe Sevigny, uh, Maya Rudolph, Kristen Dunst, Will, Fe- uh, so then Will Ferrell's in it, David Cross, 
Orlando Bloom, John C. Riley, and Jack Black are all in it. So at the end of the Make Some Noise video, there's a DeLorean that shows up with a like a like lam like a laminated um, like floor laminate rolled up on top, you know, so you can like break dance on it. <laughs> and John C. Riley is just so it, the the premise is you know those guys, uh, it's the young Beastie Boys, and then the DeLorean shows up with Mike uh, John C. Riley as Mike D, Will Ferrell as Ad Rock, <laughs> and then Jack Black as MCA. And they're going to have a dance off over who's the real Beastie Boys. So it's the old Beastie Boys and then the young Beastie Boys. And then, they're, then they have like a, a, break <laughs> a break dance competition. But then they start pissing on each other while they're break dancing. <laughs> like it's, it's fucking hilarious. And is, then, this a, is this an MCA video? No, he was pretty sick at the time. And the only, the uh, actual BC Boys only make a short cameo in the video as cops. They jump out of some cop cars and start beating up the old and new Beastie Boys with Billy Clubs and MCA's just briefly in it. Um, right. So, but yeah, it's totally worth a watch. It's fucking great. Did he make some of their videos? Didn't he have like some kind of production company? So he had a, I guess, an alter eagle alter ego uh right. who he said was his uh swedish uncle named nathaniel hornblower right and he would dress up in later hosen with a like a mustache and talk with a right. swedish accent that's right and so he directed a bunch of their videos and then i forget which year it was maybe off it, this album right uh, uh yeah off of um paul's boutique so he directed. What was it? Hey, was it Hey Ladies or uh, oh, what was the what I, was the first single? I think uh, was it Hey Ladies. Yeah, it's the, it's Hey Ladies, right? It's like, yeah, yeah. They're driving around in that old fucking Coupe de Ville or whatever, and right. They're, they the story about how that all came to be, the costuming and everything, yeah, <laughs> was pretty awesome. That's one thing that I remember that really stuck with me from the series is like they're renting a house in the Hollywood Hills, I mm -hmm. think. And yeah, the closets were just full of the, the family's like old fucking designer clothes. Yeah. From the seventies. Yeah. And that, and yeah. they just got dressed up. Yeah. <laughs> so, so they were uh, just available props. <laughs> so, um, I think it was when, um, sabotage was up for a video music award and spike jones had directed it he lost to rem uh i can't remember which rem song but oh. <laughs> as michael Stipe, as michael stipe and uh whoever the director was was walking up to the podium fucking adam yauk comes out dressed as nathaniel hornblower and like takes over the mic <laughs> and starts talking about he was about, the original kanye <laughs> totally he was like this is a travesty you know he's talking in a swedish accent with a big orange fucking mustache on and horn rim glasses and he's like this is a travesty this should have been given to spike jones like and then some security guards come in and pull him off the stage <laughs> it's fucking hilarious dude yeah i watched that today i'll try to link to do you that think that notes. he do you think that was planned or do you think he fucking pulled one over on him I you think he fucked fucked them up. I don't know. I think probably like, the everybody latter. on stage looked pretty su surprised and confused <laughs> as to what the fuck was going on. So yeah, I don't, th I don't think it was planned. I love that. Yeah. Um, oh, I love it. 
Yeah, there's 105 songs sampled on this record. Wow. Yeah. Um, I really, I really love that they sampled uh, audio from the movie Psycho and the movie Jaws and mix them together at the end of Eggman. So cool. They, they from what? Uh, they sampled uh, audio from the movie Psycho, the Alfred Hitchcock movie. Oh, right. And they sampled uh, some of the music Jaws. from Jaws and mixed them together at the end of Eggman. Right. Yeah. Um, what? Let's see. It's just a fucking genius album. Yeah. Absolute genius. The thing is, I don't think any album, like, it just was so all over. I mean, there's even some fucking bluegrass hoedown shit in there. Yeah, on Chicken Dinner. What What the fuck's going on there? Like... I have no... It goes on for a long time, right, yeah, too. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I, so I don't know if they heard that sample and they're like, hey, let's add this as a song and let's just hoot and holler over it and we'll call it a track. <laughs> like, what the fuck? It's pretty hilarious. Yeah. No, it's great. But uh, the thing is... I mean, who, I mean, what came after this that even approached the sort of like creative? Nothing. There's nothing like this record. Right. And I don't know if that's because, you know, after this sampling was, you know, to sample costs so much money that maybe people just bailed on the idea and never took this and ran with it. But yeah, it's crazy. You know, you know, another thing I thought was super interesting was like, how did they sample these? Like, so if you think about it, like they had to re I would assume most of this stuff was on albums, right? So they had to record the audio off of the album to a tape and then, you know what? Cut up the tape and then no, there were samplers back then, but they still had to get the shit sam- off a record, right? Yeah. But you could sample a sound into a keyboard. Oh, okay. Um, Yeah. But to, like to compose all those things onto tape, right, is incredible. I don't know if it if the way they went about putting it together was they had all those samples, and they had everything linked up with um, sequencers, maybe, well, and I then the sam- that- the samples were triggered um, by MIDI, maybe, because all that shit existed then, right? Well, I think they you know? were. Uh, so I rewatched the Beastie Boys. Uh, story or whatever that is on apple tv last night and they briefly said that they had never uh been in a recording studio that had a computer before um right so so they made it sound like some of it was done on a computer you know as far as the samples but i you know i i remember in probably 96 john guffey had a like a you know a you know mid-level macintosh and his uncle had given him a, a copy of... This is seven years before. Right. His uncle had given him a copy of whatever Pro Tools was called before it was called Pro Tools. And we right. messed with it, and it was the slowest fucking thing. It was impossible to do anything. Because no, yeah. you do stuff, and then Fuck you have that. to render it, and you have to wait for like 20 minutes for it to render. And then you'd listen, <laughs> and you go, oh, no, that's not right. And then you'd undo it. Like, it was... I mean, I can't imagine it was any faster than you know working with tape and a razor blade you know what i mean so you had to be you had to actually be a good musician still back then right right (laughs) (laughs) that used it's crazy that used to be a thing (laughs) right yeah but so you know 
and that was in 96. So like, I can't imagine how slow it was in 89 or 88 whenever they were making this, you know? Cause I mean, the Macintosh right. came out in 84 and that shit was slow as fuck back then. Right. So yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know about it. There's, uh, there's a bunch of, you know, I, I started working. So years in the nineties, I had this great amp tech named Monty and Monty would always, <laughs> every one of his customers, he would try to rope them into, he wanted to play tubular bells, the whole song on Halloween. And he was always trying to round up musicians to do this. And I don't think he was ever successful, but that gave me the idea to, I always dreamed about playing Paul's to go on vacation around Halloween. (laughs) I always, I always dreamed about uh, playing Paul's boutique from beginning to end with all live instruments. I always thought, Oh, that that would be be amazing. Right. And I've been trying to record the cover for this, uh, this week's episode. It's so hard. (laughs) <laughs> like i'm doing uh, looking down the barrel of a gun right and just playing uh the snare th- live uh for like three and a half minutes is just like excruciating <laughs> you know just playing that same beat and you know not deviating and all that stuff and then then i had to overdub the hi-hat right <laughs> so i'm playing the hi-hat for three minutes like <laughs> just like holy fuck uh and you know, upon listening, you know, and I thought like, oh, this is simple. It's just hi-hat and a snare. But, you know, as I listened to it, I realized like there's bongos and there's chorus on the drums and there's like all this other wacky shit going on. Let um, me ask you a question. There's there's some instruments on this record that are so crazy and weird. It's like all the wacky instruments that you use in elementary school music class. Like, right. like uh, Eggman at the beginning has the, what's that wooden thing where you drag a stick over it and it has bumps on it? Like, I don't even know what that's called. It's just oh, insane. It's like some sort of percussion thing. <laughs> yeah. Like, I remember yeah. playing one in fucking middle uh, elementary school. I have no idea what it's called. And that's on this record, you know? It's called a clickety clack. It's, it's fucking something, man. It's nuts. Let me ask you this. When you imagine this night of, of Paul's boutique front to back, mm-hmm. when when there's that drum break from just as an example, when there's the drum break from Mississippi Queen, where it's like, plat, oh plat, yeah, yeah, would you would do you imagine that there's a guitar also doing that bended note oh, in there absolutely. at the same time for yeah. the whole thing? Yeah. Well, that only happens once in the song, I think. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I. Well, uh, I think in the two thousands there was a band in New York of like session musicians and they were doing um, Sergeant Pepper with mm-hmm. all live instruments. Like they even had like a wind up clock and they would set off the alarm. Like, it, and it was a well, there's bunch a, of dudes. There's a band that. in Portland that does that. Oh really? Yeah. Wow. Go time is the drummer in it. Huh? Yeah. I'd love to see that. They, they do it every winter. They, you should go see it. Okay. It's called yeah. a magical mystery band. I think that's awesome. I'll try to and, look that up. Uh, I think they did the White Album. They've done they've done a bunch of shit. They do it every winter, and they play in that theater up on Alberta. Oh, okay. I saw them. The I saw them Rose. rehearse a little bit. Magical. Um, yeah, the the one the uh, the theater that's down there by my favorite taqueria. Oh, that one. The one that's up <laughs> on Alberta toward the the fuck. What the fuck is it called? Uh. The well, one that you must not really like Alberta. this. You must not really like this taqueria if uh, you can't remember the name of it. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Boom. Well, it's Ben 
fucking 20 years since i was going there um yeah anyway so there's a magical mystery band they say they're the original ones can't see where they're from uh these guys might be from overseas because a bunch of their posting yeah their postings are in spanish never mind that's not them i'll have to look um i'll fucking tell you uh i don't know shit anyway oh here Uh, it is here's an ad for it it's uh, Alberta Rose Theater presents the 14th annual White Album Christmas. Um, oh, they're they're called the Nowhere Band. That's what they're called, the Nowhere ah, Band. Nowhere they play band. Alberta Rose Theater. Hey, there we go. And they're doing the White Album front to front to back. Nice. Why don't they? Oh, they dress up and everything, huh? Uh, it's November 30th through December 11th. Hey, yeah, maybe. Uh, maybe I'll. Break. You gotta go see it. They're really good. Okay. Yeah, maybe I'll go do yeah. that. Yeah. Um, we were talking about, uh, looking down the barrel of a gun. So I was looking at the samples that were used on that. Um, and it's a sample from a, a band called the incredible bongo band. Uh, really? and the song is last bongo in Belgium. So I checked out the incredible bongo bands album, bongo rock. And <laughs> it's basically some dude in the early seventies that did a bunch of covers of like famous songs with bongos right? <laughs> and it's pretty fucking amazing uh the two highlights on the record for me are his bongo cover of indigata devita and also uh-huh. satisfaction by the rolling stones so all right it's available on spotify you should check it out wow the incredible bongo band yeah that sounds incredible yeah <laughs> uh i gotta say this is a note that I, I i i gotta bring up hot and nasty by black oak arkansas is the the snare the drum samples that's used on shadrack that snare sounds fucking amazing so good uh yeah tell me where is there a is there some sort of a list somewhere of all the samples and the breakdowns yes. of where one can find them. So there, uh, I'll post it in the show notes, but there's a link on YouTube. Uh, there's a video on YouTube. It's about 14 minutes long where they play a lot of the original songs. So they'll show like the original album cover uh, that was where the sample came from. And they'll play a little bit of the sa- you know, what was sampled. And then they'll play a little bit of, you know, how it ended up on Paul's Boutique. And they run through right. a bunch of them, which is really cool. Uh, it's really interesting how many of the samples were either sped way up or slowed way down, right. um, which I thought was interesting. Uh, but if you actually look at the Paul's Boutique Wikipedia page, um, under the track listings, there's a column that says samples, and then there's a little link that says show. And for each song, it will show you all of the samples used in that in each individual song, which is fucking amazing. So here's the thing it's interesting it's funny to me that you you bring up like how many of the samples are sped up and slowed down but here's the thing outside of just a snare hit or whatever Mm -hmm. if you're talking about things that need to work in the timeline within the tempo of the song Mm -hmm. you have to speed up and slow things down in order for them to keep pace with the tempo of the song right Mm -hmm. I owned a sampler in the early 90s. Mm-hmm. This is, you know, years after. And there were already more sophisticated samplers. This one was was a little old. Yeah. Um, and it's pretty hard to... It was for me. 
hard to to speed things up and slow things down because it's not like now you can drop something into a DAW or some program and it'll snap whatever it is you're working on into tempo with the other things you have in there. Oh, wow. It's all... And now, you know, now it does that. Back then, it was it was slow trial and error rendering all the samples like the Pro Tools shit. Right, right. Same, same thing. Yeah. It just was like super time consuming. I can't imagine how many hours went into making this. Just the music. Yeah. Is there any information about that? Um, Is there any like Dust Brothers footage of them talking about this album uh it says the album is composed almost entirely of samples and was recorded over two years at matt matt dyke's apartment and the record plant in los angeles so um and i i think that a bunch of it was done even before the bc boys were involved so uh if you watch the bc boys story on apple plus ad rock talks about how um he was at a party and he heard like this amazing song. And he's like, what the fuck? And he like tracked down the boom box and saw there was a cassette in it and was like, what the fuck is this? And his friend was a mutual friend with the dust brothers. And he's like, Oh, this is the dust brothers, blah, blah, blah. And he was introduced to the dust brothers. And he's like, I need, can I buy this from you? Like this, I, this is amazing. Uh, and it's then, funny. They don't, do they name check the dust brothers at all in this? In, in their lyrics in this album? I can't remember if they do or if they name check Angel Dust. <laughs> so They definitely name check Angel Dust, okay. but they name check uh, Hurricane. Yeah, yeah. Which I guess is why I thought that he had more to do with the making of the album. Right. Well, I always thought it was funny because don't it, on this album, don't they talk a bunch of shit about D, how DJ Hurricane's the best? And then later on on later records it's they're all about mix master mike right <laughs> well yeah that's what you do you, yeah you know whatever you have is the best <laughs> right <laughs> right so i always wonder if they're you know if they're playing any songs from paul's boutique that they put in uh, mix master mike instead of dj hurricane i bet they ch- fucking changed it up yeah it's like when kiss plays at a song they always change it from new york groove to uh you know wherever they are the cedar rapids groove or, you know, where, wherever they happen to be playing. Mishawaka, Indiana <laughs> groove. Yeah. So. Hey, let me ask you this real quick. Yeah. Speaking of Kiss. Um, <laughs> you know, I had to shoehorn that in there somehow. Had you heard my Paul Stanley song before last night? The one about his uh, solo, uh, about his book? About his book? I don't yeah. think so. Which I was pretty <laughs> shocked. Uh, have you seriously not read his book? Nope. It's so I good. have it. I have the, I've listened to the audio book of it multiple times. And I think I'll listen to the audio book. It's so good. Jennifer's not a Kiss fan. Jennifer has, we've been on road trips. Jennifer's heard the audio book, loved it, and has requested it on uh, long car trips with me before. Really? Does yeah. he narrate it? Yes. Yeah. It's I was killer. born, I was born <laughs> on the Upper West Side. <laughs> You're looking for Queens, but it's not Kith. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i saw his dad passed away the other day he was like 107 uh, or something wasn't he yeah it was crazy yeah right yeah uh, uh let's see have some facts uh and other things i discovered uh give it to me let's about, go uh, 
the Beastie Boys. Um, so uh, Grand Royal. So you know they did uh, their own record label, right? They put mm-hmm. out. They also put out a magazine called Grand Royal Magazine. Yeah. And um, I would say that my friend was the editor of it, but we've been estranged from each other for multiple years now. So <laughs> my acquaintance uh, was the yeah. editor of that uh, magazine. Uh, but, uh, in the 1995 issue of the magazine, it contained a memorable piece on the mullet and the Oxford English dictionary cites this as the first published term use of the term along with the lyrics from the band's 1994 song mullet head. So really? I know, yeah, we had talked about this a couple episodes ago where I said the Beastie Boys coined the term mullet. That's where that came from. Huh. So, um, I love that. Yeah. Uh, we always called it the schlong before that for schlong, <laughs> <laughs> which I is really that. too bad that uh, you didn't know. catch on. Yeah, uh, when 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 the Beastie Boys were on the license to ill tour, uh, there was a bunch of uh, like sensational articles written about them and their shows uh, ahead of them going to England, and I think some of the English press um, published newspaper articles uh, where they said like the bc boys were talking shit about the uk and so when they finally got over there uh, you know a bunch of the knucklehead uh hooligans like would show up at their shows and cause trouble they had one show uh that i think only lasted 10 minutes before it turned into a riot and wow uh ad rock was arrested for throwing a beer can at some kid's head and he was charged with like assault or something (laughs) <laughs> but there's, uh, I came across a YouTube video of him being arrested and it's fucking amazing because there's a crowd of people around him. Right. And you know, he's like little tiny ad rock and there's two cops trying to put him in the cop car and he's keeps trying to, he keeps drinking his beer as they're like pushing him into the cop car and the cops <laughs> keep trying to swap the beer can out of his hand and he just keeps drinking it as they're like pushing his head down into the cop car. It's pretty fucking amazing. <laughs> He's just drinking wow. his, getting a couple more gulps of his beer before he gets put in the cop car. Thought that was. I just good. think they're fucking hilarious. Oh yeah, for sure. And uh, you know, as adults, uh, you know that there was the their demeanor telling the story on stage. I didn't love in that movie. Oh really? Well, it just it felt like they were reading. Mm, I thought they did a pretty good job, but then again. It didn't feel relaxed. Yeah. It felt like, you know, they were, you know. You think everybody's reading. You always think I'm reading too. <laughs> well, a lot of times you are. Sometimes I am. A lot of times. When you're telling your jokes. That's not true. Sometimes I'm, te- uh, sometimes I'm reading. When you're but- telling your jokes or you're like, I was thinking of a funny thing the other day. You know, it's a- <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> you fucking asshole. Um. It, there was a little bit of that I gotta that tell people on. how the sausage is made, Mike. Come on, what the fuck? There was a little bit of that going on yeah. in the movie. Yeah. And I was like, uh, you know, uh, that was a little bit of a bummer for me. But it didn't stop me from loving the shit out of it. Yeah, I mean, I I would think they recorded that on multiple nights and, and probably needed to edit it, you know, different things together. It's like when a, you know... A, comedian does a special they record multiple nights and then they edit it together for i can't believe i didn't try to get tickets for one of those shows because i lived in brooklyn when they recorded it right i um 
you know, the one thing I really liked about that um, documentary or, you know, whatever you want to call it, was their ability to, you know, because they're much different people as grown men, you know, like they yeah. were, they kind of embraced the, you know, it's like, if you, if you believe what they said in the documentary, it's like they were making fun of frat rock and then it just, they just kind of turned into frat rockers, you know, during license right. to ill and, you know, had the giant penis on stage and sung a bunch of nasty shit about women. And, you know, as they got older, I mean, they all, uh, married like feminist, uh, well, all except for one married like feminist, feminist activists, women, you know, like Kathleen Hanna from bikini kill, uh, is married to Adam, uh, uh, the one Adam. <laughs> and then Mike D I think was married to, um, a feminist act, feminist activist as well, who was like a director, uh, for MTV. And then, uh, MCA married a, uh, a woman who was involved with the Tibetan, um, you know, free Tibet. Yeah. The free, free Tibet movement. Um, you know, and to think about those guys as like, just frat rockers and then being married to these people, you know, is such a weird thing, but it's not, it's that like weird they grew when up, you consider you know I mean? this, uh, like this album was a transitional yeah. thing where they, you know, they were making a statement where they're like, we aren't, we're not dumb dumbs. Right. You know, and I'm going to, or maybe, maybe we don't want to be, we, we were dumb dumbs, but we don't want to be dumb dumbs. Yeah. I think Mike D said uh, something interesting in that, documentary he was talking about how um ad rock was being interviewed by somebody who called basically called him a hypocrite for you know what he said in his youth and you know his stance on the treatment of women and others uh, as an adult and i forget what he said it was really great uh it was effectively like i'd rather be a hypocrite than be somebody that never you know, changes never changed and have right. shitty beliefs my entire life, you know? So, uh, yeah, it's nice to see those guys grown up to be good people, you know, and do good things. Yeah. I mean, God, think of all the stuff that Adam Yauch did, you know, for free to <laughs> I mean, he put on that, uh, concert in the nineties, which was like the second largest concert, second only to like live aid, uh, in at, DC, right. Uh, I think it was at golden gate park. Oh, okay. It was like a two day show. But, you know, he brought the plight of, of what's happening over there uh, to the forefront for a lot of people, you know? I don't know that it's, I mean, it's definitely not solved, but, you know, at least we're more aware of what's going on, you know? So, yeah. Um, uh, I will, the other, um, <laughs> the other thing I thought was great, uh, I watched an interview from 2015 where Ad-Rock's being interviewed on Sirius FM where he says he does not listen to new music. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was like, me neither. <laughs> I know where you're coming from. Uh, right. Let's see. And then I watched a video of them playing Saturday Night Live. This is fucking great. Um, oh, with, uh, are you going to talk about the radio radio thing? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So back in so the, what cool. is it? Was it the seven? Uh, it must have been the 70s. The Sex Pistols were supposed to play on Saturday Night Live. And they... For whatever reason, they, they they couldn't get their visas worked out. So at the last minute, they pulled in Elvis Costello and the attractions to play. And Elvis is wearing a, a shirt that says, thanks, Malk, right? For uh, <laughs> Malcolm, uh, uh, what's that guy's name? 
the manager of the Sex Pistols. Yeah. Uh, and they start playing, they were told not to play the song Radio Radio because it was an anti-radio song, right? Um, so they start playing a song that is approved by Saturday Night Live. And then in the middle of the, like 20 seconds into the song, Elvis says, stop, stop, stop. And then they play Radio Radio. And they were kicked off Saturday Night Live for that, like forever. So in <laughs> on September 28th, 1999, the Good Beast Boys- Good for him Boy, though. Yeah. Fuck, fuck them. Oh yeah, totally. Uh, September 28th, 1999, the Beastie Boys are playing and they start playing Sabotage. And about 20 seconds into the song, Elvis Costello comes marching out and pushes Ad-Rock out of the way. And they Ad-Rock runs back to the Farfisa organ and they start playing Radio Radio, which is fucking amazing. Like on so many levels. First of all, if you notice, Elvis is wearing a Thanks Malk shirt again, <laughs> which is hilarious. <laughs> Secondly... The beast, the Beastie Boys and Elvis Costello literally sabotaged the song "Sabotage," which I thought right. was fucking hilarious. <laughs> and it's an amazing performance seeing the Beastie Boys back up uh, Elvis Costello. I'll link to that in the show notes. I'd never seen that before today, and I was so cool, so cool, so glad I I came across that. So, um, and what a strange pairing. Yeah, for sure. Right. Yeah. I mean, come on. I mean, those, uh, yeah. those boys are fans of music, obviously, you know, and, uh, right. Ellis is, um, and then amazing, history. So, yeah. And that's a, um, that's a really, really cool, what a fucking cool thing to do. And yeah. what a reference that, yeah. that act was almost as deep a pop culture reference as the original performance by Elvis. Right. In 79 or yeah. whatever it was. Yeah. <laughs> right. So cool. Yeah. Huh. Um, yeah, I fucking love that shit. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, so Beastie Boys' last gig was in 2009 at Bonnaroo in Tennessee, I think. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, uh, Yao passed away a few years later. Uh, but in on May 3rd, 2013, uh, the city of New York renamed the Palmetto Playground in Brooklyn Heights to the Adam Yauk Park. So I oh, thought that was sweet. very sweet of them to not after a... An amazing New Yorker, an amazing person, uh, you know, professionally. And when I met him personally, he was cool as fuck. Could not have been cooler. And right, uh, yeah. It's, I, I, apparently, if you're a, a nice person, musician, you should not meet me because apparently you, you die afterwards. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> well, I got Dime news. bag was murdered. You know, like hey, listen, newsflash. Yeah, everyone dies. I know. We're all gonna die. Yeah. Me and you both, and everyone listening, and everyone that doesn't listen, with which is a lot more people. Right. It, it wouldn't be a uh, wouldn't be a episode of Golden Shower of Hits if we didn't start talking about death at some point. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ! <laughs> it's it's important. Yeah, we gotta we gotta hit all the uh, the old standards. I feel like I feel like it's my responsibility to talk about death and lighten people up about it. <laughs> yeah. I've taken it on as a as as a duty. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I feel. I was really stressed out uh prepping for this episode. And and it, that seems to happen on all the albums that I really love where we do episodes for. I always feel like I'm not not getting out enough of I'm not doing it justice. You know what I mean? I'm not Oh, lighten up. It's just 
fuck, dude. This album is gotta, so good. <laughs> Holy shit. No, it's the best. I'm not going to cry. And, <laughs> I didn't hit a wood chip or, uh, wood chipmunk or whatever. But. I remember when it was announced. Uh, I remember when it was announced that dude died, and I was so sad. Um, I knew yeah. that he was sick, but I just kind of thought, well, he's not going to... He's not gonna die, right? You know, right? Yeah. Um. Yeah. I just thought wouldn't happen. Uh. But I heard them on the radio. You know, five years later, mm-hmm. and it got me r- super choked up. Just like ra- like out of yeah. nowhere. Yeah. Really weird. Um. Because it's not, but it's not like particularly emotional music. It was more. Uh. I think it was one of those weird things, like those reminders, like you have attachments to these things. Could be a movie, could be a painting, could be a book, could be a record or whatever. Those things, you know, those creations, you know, more or less go on forever yeah. in some form, yeah. you know. Uh, but everyone dies. <laughs> Fuck, everyone dies, man. A plus. A fucking plus, Jamie. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. A, a plus. plus plus. Like 100. It yeah. gets 100 out of 100. Yeah, there's... I think this album's a masterpiece. Uh, you know, the only the only thing I... I you know, uh, the only thing I would change on this record would be maybe dropping uh, the, the, the banjo song. But oh, I wouldn't. Then, it's I, incredible. Yeah. It's so yeah. weird um, and like... <clears throat> it totally works. Uh, yeah, I will say I, I did see an interview where the guys said uh, they thought the song "What Goes Around" is a, is the dud of the album, and they wish it wasn't on here. So, but I like really? that song. Yeah, <laughs> they're like every album has a dud, and this is the dud of that album. So, uh, oh, also if you watch, um, if you search on YouTube, and I'll try to post the link to this too. Uh, the Beastie Boys do a commentary for Paul's Boutique for one of its anniversaries, but it's basically them in a studio with the record playing and them talking about the songs as the songs are playing. So it's kind of interesting. I like those things. Yeah. 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 They talked about, they talked about when they were talking about Eggman, they said that Mike D said his girlfriend had the idea of heating the, uh, because they were egging people. Right. Right. Uh, They they had, they were, they were actually, it was autobiographical. Right. Yeah. So uh, she had the That's idea. That's right. I'm the egg man. She she had the idea of heating up the eggs. So when <laughs> when you threw the egg on someone, first of all, they were just like bummed that they had just gotten an egg. But then they realized like it's a hot egg, <laughs> 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 which is like the next level of you know shittiness. So I thought oh, that was pretty great. That sucks. Yeah. <laughs> wow fucking Eggman, so good <laughs> uh, all right well paul's boutique is in the fucking history books for us so a glad plus. We did this. yeah a plus for sure and i would you know i would assume anybody that's a listener has has worn this thing out but it's definitely you know if you haven't listened to it in a while man fucking listen to it again it's so good i mean you can't not be a fan of this record right I mean, is that possible? I don't, you know, I kind of feel like maybe the Beastie Boys aren't that much of a fan of it. They didn't really seem to talk about it that much. I, to me, well, this maybe is their because, best record. I mean, the, and I feel like they kind of blew past it a little bit in their documentary, but, you know. 
Maybe because the album that followed this was sort of their moment to be super creative musically. Right. That yeah, that's when they like were playing they their start, own instruments you know, and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And so probably that album felt, you know, that was a favorite child. Right. Yeah, because it's more theirs, you know, it's not just them rhyming Rapping over, over someone, someone else's, else's shit. creation. Yeah. So Yeah. Uh all right. So next week, the Catherine Wheel ferment. And the cover is Mike slash maybe Kelly. So <laughs> What does that mean? Uh, I think Kelly offered to do the cover next hmm. week. So I should probably Great. hit him up and see if he'll do it. Oh, that would be amazing. Yeah, but you're on deck, so <laughs> I, would, I, don't, I would plan for it. I don't know what Kelly's the Catherine, do you know any of their songs? I know nothing about the Catherine Wheel. I bet I've heard their songs, right? I maybe? Would, I mean, maybe. This is what the, yeah, this is for the 90s, so. I would bet $20 that this is Kelly's submission too. Oh, probably. Yeah, I mean, he's he's into the that '90s Brit stuff. Oh, is this is it British? Yeah, I, I, I think so. Zero about the Catherine Wheel. So, I mean, it sounds like a you know, it sounds like Ned's Atomic Dustbin or some shit. <laughs> I like Ned's Atomic Dustbin. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it, it has that sound like a uh, pulp. Right. You know, right. these are all bands that I know. They all sound very much different, but they're all from that era, and they're English. Yeah, I think you know that I'm probably pissing someone off. They're probably you know they're probably Welsh, and they're like <laughs> "fuck you," <laughs> or they're Scottish or something. I don't know. Anyway, yeah, it's yeah, you know, it's all the same. They're all in the UK, right? It's it's not. <laughs> I'm, try, I'm trying, get, to, trying to piss some people off now. Ah, hmm. uh, I'm so I was so happy listening to this record, and you know, did you submit it? I don't. Uh, I don't think so. It's possible. Whoever did, you know, God bless you. Yeah, God bless you. It's a great fucking record. I so many good memories to this album. Such a good time in my life. You know, I was coming up as a BMXer and <laughs> getting laid. Obviously. <laughs> Wait a minute. Did you ride BMX? Fuck you. Are you colorblind? <laughs> Are you, did you have a lot of jobs? <laughs> did you work at a pawn shop? Did you dig graves? Did you make coffee? Did you have, did you have loose morals? <laughs> Speaking of loose morals, have you ever seen, uh, I can't remember what station it was on. Uh, it was like a, I think it was a claymation, uh, TV show and it was called Moral Oral. Have you ever seen that? <laughs> that sounds great. It's pretty fucking amazing. Yeah. I'll uh it's kind of like gum like a dirty version of Gumby. So Wow, yeah. that sounds right up my alley. Moral oral. Yeah, let me uh a parody. Yeah. Anyways, I'll post a link to it in the show notes, but it's pretty good. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. Well, I right, dude. Next week, Catherine Wheel. You're great. Oh, you're great, Mike. I, uh, I hope things uh, smooth week, out. At, so. I hope things smooth out for you at work. Yeah, you too, man. Jesus. Huh. <laughs> you know. Yeah. They'll they either will or they won't. Yeah. I feel uh, every month. I think my days are numbered, and every month I'm like, eh, it's really not that bad. It's just there's like, it's just like when it rains, it pours. So right, when it yeah. sucks, it just really sucks. Yeah. But 
I have nothing to complain about, you know? Yeah. I have a job. I'm able to, you know, I'm able to fucking earn enough money to pay my mortgage and pay for my fucking car and my life. And, right. You know, I got no, I got nothing, no valid complaints. Yeah. Yeah, there's that's a lot it. of people End that have story. it way worse off, so <laughs> I always try to remember that's that. A, that's a thing we all have to remember. He used we to have all got to remember that shit. He used to have a friend. I can't remember who, who did this, but whenever I would complain about something, he'd be like, well, at least you're not in Iraq. <laughs> and it right. would just like instantly take the wind out of my sails of, over at whatever I was pissed about. I was like, oh, God, you're right. Okay. <laughs> I need to fucking rein it in a little bit. Things are not that bad. Not that bad. No. So. Not that bad. Yeah. All right, bud. I do next well, week. I look forward to hearing your cover. Yeah, I hope I don't ruin it. <laughs> I bet you won't. I uh, I was going to, um, I should probably say, uh, I actually invited my friend Kurt to do, I was going to have Kurt and somebody else do vocals with me because it's, you know, it's three guys, but we're getting so close to the wire. I don't know that I'm going to have time to, be like hey do vocals in one day yeah you know so right not sure that that's gonna happen but we'll see i bet you can do it yeah maybe uh that's the magic yeah you've got a lot of magic in that what did frosty have wait what there must have been some magic in oh that old some kind of hat right yeah yeah you've got a lot of magic in your hat (laughs) that's why i have the same winter (laughs) cap for like 15 years yeah because it's fucking magic Hi, right, buddy. Hi, right, man. I'll see you next week. Have a great life. <laughs> Jesus, Mike. <laughs> Have All a right, great buddy. life. I'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Bye.